Hello everyone and welcome back. You're probably used to hearing Kieran's voice doing the hosting, but I thought this time I could give it a go. So welcome back to Kieran. I'm still here, don't worry. <laughs> um, I thought I'd, I'd give this a go. <laughs> so let's see how we go. So if you um, were up to date with our last episode, we were talking uh, quite in depth about Kieran's early, well, his first relationship in those early year, years of uni and getting married. And uh, that was quite uh, heavy. So we thought we'd just have a bit of a break there and a breather because it brings up a lot of things and thoughts and feelings that yeah, yes. stirs up some old, old Don't worry, stuff. I'm still breathing. I'm here. <laughs> he survived. Yes. But I guess we wanted to, um, as we have with the other episodes, just start with a bit of a, a story time, just to start with a, a bit of something lighter before we jump into the other stuff. And I know, Kieran, you had a few random memories you, you thought of from the earlier years. Yeah, I guess we're kind of like, we've had a lot of conversations, both you and I offline, just all these kind of memories of just popping out of nowhere that probably don't aren't enough to really kind of share as an episode or anything like just random musings and kind of feel like we're at a point where we can kind of just clear the inbox (laughs) of a a few different random uh, memories. (laughs) (laughs) So one of the things that we uh, wanted to talk about very briefly was the, the craze of WWJD. If you know, you know, (laughs) Yeah. what would Jesus do? And, uh, this is probably early 2000s, maybe, that it just kind of really took off. I don't know where it started. I don't. It was I feel probably... like we need to insert here that song by DC Talk. <laughs> what would people <laughs> yes. do if with they hear that I would Jesus Jesus <laughs> <laughs> What would people do if they find out it's true? Anyway, there's <laughs> this whole thing of literally trying to encourage young people, very much a craze led by youth culture, youth Christian culture of trying to keep us accountable before we did everything. And we had these bracelets. And I remember I was very excited to get a bracelet, a little rubber bracelet (laughs) that had WWJD And you didn't take it off. Even in the shower, it got manky, it got stinky, but you did not take it off. (laughs) For fear that for one second, you wouldn't be thinking about what Jesus would be doing. Well, you know, when you're in the shower and you have those impure thoughts and you gaze at your wrist. (laughs) Shut it down, shut it down. Uh, so it was kind of really connected, very closely connected with this purity culture thing that came in about that same time as well. How young people were just expected and somewhat forced, <laughs> manipulated <laughs> to basically right. promise themselves to remain pure. Uh, and so this is kind of they're both there were different different movements, but very related. And we actually, in terms of the purity thing, we had to. I don't know if everyone had to do this, but definitely the older ones, we signed some kind of agreement to kind of, yeah, like a contract to remain pure until we were married. Purity being obviously the one big thing we do not do, and that's premarital sex. Or even thinking. (laughs) Yes, because there are no other impure things in this world, of course. Sex is the number one, number one impurest thing you could possibly do before marriage. Yes. (laughs) damnation damnation in your future if, if that's the direction you go <laughs> and i don't know it just kind of like i don't know what happened to it, it just petered out it just faced away yeah i guess, <laughs> I guess new things came into my yeah faces. i went to uni and suddenly wearing a brightly colored bracelet with 
four letters on it wasn't so cool anymore. <laughs> Can't imagine why. <laughs> uh, and I, I guess if you had those um, impure thoughts, that leads into <clears throat> another term that was used heavily back in those days, and that is backsliders. You know, so if you, ooh, even now if, I, I yeah. feel that in my chest. <laughs> Um, you know, there's the term was so overused. You know, you could miss church for one week and oof, the gossip train came out and you're a backslider. What's going on in their life? <laughs> I mean, now, like, even now I have a fear of slides, you know, just. <laughs> okay, just to explain backsliding is like literally going backwards in your faith. Like you are failing. You're a bad Christian. And I mean, we. I don't. I haven't heard this for a very long time, but I mean, there's a lot of jokes among Christian people now about that term. But back then, it was a very serious very thing. Serious. And in fact, when I left church, um, even up in you know my late twenties, uh, early thirties, I still had this fear of being labelled a backslider, yeah. <laughs> and I knew that I would have been. Well, it was completely uh, ingrained, right, into mm. to everyone who was going to church, even if you were <clears throat> what was considered a fence sitter, you know, that was still, you were backsliding. You've got to be either here nor there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, quite it's something that's a bit humorous to talk about now. <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess we, we both had this very strong sense that even as silly as it sounds now, we, you, both you and I and everybody that was in our life at that time, took that very seriously our oh, commitment absolutely. to god and and you were just sharing a story before which is laughable now but about someone who was visiting the school a dignitary yeah so um i mean it was so ingrained in me um i don't know about for you as well but <clears throat> you know god was the ultimate <clears throat> top of the tier god um, was number one and we had um, this one time our local mayor was coming to our school and the question we were, is why I still wonder yeah, why I don't know <laughs> and you know they they wear those big gold chains and they're sort of like treated like royalty um, <laughs> but we were instructed before she came that we were supposed to call her or address her as her highness and I was like what is this like in my head, you know, like I said, God was number one. And I absolutely flat out refused to be calling her her highness. Like I was, this was like a black and white matter for me. I was not going to call her her highness. And um, I was sort of dreading the day when, when she was supposed to be coming. I think it turned out that she had, she didn't come for whatever reason. But I was like, I've got out of that one. I don't have to. Well, that, that was God. Just God else's. came through for you. <laughs> <laughs> He was protecting Thank you. Jesus. <laughs> it was a test, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. So just funny little things like that. Yeah, looking back on it is just quite um, amusing. Mm. Now, well, I think, I guess, I, like to kind of gently segue into into the main story uh, a little bit uh, of this episode. Like, I think that sense of who God was and how important He was to every part of our lives still stay with me. I think. Less so for you after mm. you left home, and when we were at, when we were back home and within that school and church life, it was impossible to escape that. Uh, mm. But when we left home, I continued in that, and mm. uh, you a lot less so. Yeah, I mm. guess. Um, I guess we could just jump straight into where we were from the last episode, going back to you had just got married, and I had moved in 
I had recently moved to Tauranga in the same city, and I moved in with you and your wife straight after the honeymoon. Mm. Yeah, um, actually, it was. It was like we moved. Like back literally, and you were there. yeah, yeah, um, which was a, a tricky dynamic. But I guess before I wanted to go back into that story, I I do just want to clarify to our listeners because I feel like I didn't we didn't cover it so much in those earlier episodes about the depth of our relationship with our parents. Or the, the kind of relationship that we have yeah. with them. Like our our parents always described our family as being a close family, which I guess we were, but particularly for me, I'm speaking on behalf of myself. I was a very strong will child and I butted heads a lot with particularly mum. I was very much a daddy's girl. I would go and ask dad things first or if or if mum had said no I'd just go ask dad and he would he would get in trouble later for saying yes <laughs> mum had said no um, I think probably a lot of daughters um, can relate to that in terms of the relationship with the dad but I I definitely struggled with uh, mum and I we struggled with our relationship and we butted heads a lot and Everything maybe because mum was the sort of more the disciplinarian out of the two of them. Everything that mum said, it wasn't like a a question. Can you do this? It was do this and do it now and do it respectfully. And I really I sort of really didn't want to do any of those things. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe it was because of the way she asked, or so not she didn't ask. She just it was expected, and she told us. And and my my personality was just to. Um, stand my ground and you know tell her what I thought and that it got me in trouble a lot so out of the two of us I think I was probably the the how I would describe the least favorite child but only because mm. I was difficult I'm not saying that <laughs> I'm not saying that mum and dad didn't love me any any more any less but I was just that child that was very challenging mm. for them well I, I was I was the easy one so I wouldn't mm. say I was a favorite I was just probably one they put on autopilot a bit because I yeah. could be relied on to follow the rules yeah and, uh, and definitely was the one that challenged everything so I guess throughout the years that really has continued in a way like even into adulthood I still butt heads a little bit with with mum but, but I think I think like I, I guess what you're trying to say is like the way that this this, the way that our relationship is characterized is that in this way it has followed us through both of our lives because even though I was the easy child it was mostly because I didn't want to rock the boat mm. and I didn't want to bring any drama I would just you know anti-confrontational so mm. just go with the flow and so when Wait. to kind of swing it back to the story that we're in at the moment this dynamic that we had with our parents Mate, and even though when I was struggling so much, I never talked about it with them mm. because we didn't have that close familial relationship that would have been really helpful at that time yeah. to help to help point out things that were red flags or to just even be able to talk yeah. about stuff. Yeah. That was hard. But even, you know, like I guess all those things, what we've talked about in previous episodes that I went through, again, it just probably added more tension and more separation between us because we didn't talk we didn't talk about mm. our feelings and what was going on in each other's lives and we couldn't really be honest with mm. each other it just wasn't that kind of relationship so I guess going back to how you 
got married, you know, there was that sort of unspoken pressure from our parents that that was the expectation. So as much as you didn't want to let people uh, down or be judged mm. you know, in the church, it was that same feeling from mum and dad as well. Yeah, and I, I think I I got caught up in everything and I didn't want to disappoint anybody and because I didn't feel I could talk about it with anybody, all my misgivings. Um, it, I just never, I never brought it up. So I didn't talk about it with mum. I didn't talk about it with you. I um, felt this expectation, obviously, to be the good husband now. The the church, obviously, was a, a factor in that. Like, people expected us to have this happy relationship now and to get involved in church and everything and all that stuff. And then on top of that, most of all, is this expectation from God as well. And so I I had that that weight of responsibility to be a godly man mm. uh, very, very strongly over my life. Um, and so that just kind of all of those different factors for me just made me feel like I was trapped in mm. a in a prison of my own making. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I, sorry, carry on. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I don't know why we thought it would be a good idea for me to, to move into your house straight after being married. Mm. Even for someone who's got a really strong, good relationship, that probably wouldn't have been a very good idea. So I was there for those very early days when, you know, when you guys were, um, you know, getting to know each other. And um, do, you, do you remember much of that time? Like, what was your impression of us and the way that we related to each other? Um, I felt un- uncomfortable in the house, <clears throat> not because of you, but her. She <laughs> had this way about her where she'd. It was like walking into a freezer. Um, mm. could, it was palpable the the tension and the that feeling, and I I, I didn't feel welcome there at all. And she yeah. she liked the house set in a certain way, like mm. from atmosphere all the way to the very practical small things of how the kitchen was laid out and yes. how everything everything must yes. be put exactly where it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't make too much noise after a certain amount a certain time mm-hmm. at night. Must. Yep. Absolutely, must have the right amount of sleep, cannot be disturbed. Mm-hmm. Uh, from beginning to end, it was all very constricted, constrained, and controlled. And God helps you if you broke any of those rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, so and I, I, I didn't get... feel like I could tell you any of this stuff too because um, mm. maybe at the time I didn't realise you were probably feeling the same things that I was, but I didn't feel like I could go to you and be like, what the hell? Like she just had a mm. go at me because I didn't put the frying pan a certain way in the dish rack. Like, um, <laughs> you know, what? Some of the one of the worst things was like if you scrubbed the nonstick pan with a <laughs> yeah, I definitely <laughs> with got, the scrubber. <laughs> yeah, I got in trouble for that too, for sure. Oh dear, <laughs> oh dear. So yeah, uh, I, don't know how, I can't remember how long that uh, scenario lasted for. It must have been a few months, and then I was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was, it was really tough for me because I mean I was trying to be the 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 good guy and um, at this stage I was starting to work as well so I had my first job working at Countdown at the supermarket and I mean not a great job like miles away from anything I'd want to be doing with my life so I had that going on as well so there's a lot a lot of things going on in my mind constantly. And just kind of being in this household where I felt like I had no control over anything, but having to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. 
I remember I used to go for a lot of walks on my own because um, at this house, that first house we lived out like in the countryside and yeah, I used to go and explore the bush and try and just be alone with my thoughts as much as possible. Uh, I was also serving at church at that time, doing youth um, and and relying heavily on your wife because you didn't have a license at that point, right? Yeah, well, at that, well, in that first six months, I did actually get my restricted license. So she had taught me to drive, uh, which was, I suppose I can be forever grateful <laughs> for that. Very stressful time for me, mm. learning to drive with her, but um, very grateful that I was able to get my license. Just as a side note, my first, literally my first drive on my own, had an accident, <laughs> almost died. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I pulled out and right in front of like a, in a 100K zone and almost got hit. Like, holy shit, it was close. <laughs> wow. Um, and that's probably the closest accident, almost a serious accident I've ever had. So obviously <laughs> I learned something from that experience. It was great. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so like that first six months was pretty tough. So I, took the, I had decided to take a semester off off uni I what I didn't talk about in the last episode was before we got before we got married I had been putting myself under really really intense pressure because as we'd covered before I wasn't good at studying I wasn't good at writing or anything and I being an extreme perfectionist had been really really pushing myself to the point where I just basically I just broke (laughs) I, I just couldn't handle it anymore and I was like I cannot do this I need to take time off and just so happened to be when we got married and that's how I ended up working instead of um, so my partner she finished and became a qualified teacher and kind of so you know she was able to start work while I was obviously hadn't finished uni yet so that there was kind of like differing dynamics mm. is like she had become the growing up in more ways than one mm. I was the one who was just constantly being looked after uh, yeah. and that became a constant theme actually for years I always felt like I was behind um, trying to catch up with her. Did she hold that against you? Like, uh, Not purposely so, I don't think. Uh, but money became a big issue. Mm. Not not for me. Like, I definitely noticed that she was the primary earner. That was not a big deal for me, I don't think. Uh, but it was a big deal for her so because it gave her more control over those finances. Mm. And there was very little in my life that wasn't kind of didn't require her blessing shall mm. we say yeah through yeah through all different parts of my life um, which was tough you know like trying to settle into this still trying to settle in this new city and my own friends and stuff and we ended up most of the time we were doing things together had the same friends doing things with them together and so I didn't I just lost no my, escape I lost my identity. I just, I lost who I was um, as an individual. Yeah. Did you notice then in that first six months to a year, any of the, well, what we described as the red flags or were you still quite oblivious at that point? Uh, There were a couple of instances and I don't remember what precipitated them, but so she, my partner had this whole thing from the very beginning that we must not go to sleep angry. We don't go to we don't go to bed angry and let the sun go down on our wrath, so to speak. Uh, and that just basically meant everything must be solved the day that it happened. So <laughs> that often meant 
because there were quite a few disagreements, even though I didn't often fight as such because I often gave in quite quickly. But I had to give in in, this, in, the, in the right way because <laughs> otherwise it, it wouldn't be enough for her, if that makes sense. Mm. Uh, so there would be conversations long into the night until eventually I just gave in. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, it was the only way to so to win, so to speak, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. And I do remember in that first year, at least one time, we were on a trip uh, on the road and I'm just getting flashbacks. <laughs> um, we were driving and then she just kind of flipped out, like out of control, um, screaming and banging on the car and like hitting me while I was driving. And um, I just remember it being actually quite scary uh, and um, I've tr- actually I've forgotten about this <laughs> till now it's just kind of come back to me because it's it this is definitely this was the first time that this happened and I would see this many times over the coming years it was just like a, a moment of uncontrollable rage and um like she had all these things going on inside of her that she couldn't control all these feelings and she just had to let them out. She just would push them all out all at once. It's like the Hulk, you know, the Hulk who all of a sudden becomes another being and that's how it felt in that time. And I remember feeling very overwhelmed by that and naturally I thought it was all my fault. So I had to kind of repair, build bridges and – um and and kind of for the good of everyone smooth it over like it never happened um and it kind of it set a little bit of a pattern and in fact i i began to learn the signs early on so that we would avoid getting to those stages again but over time uh, I don't want to skip ahead too much, but over time it just basically got harder to predict um, when things like that would happen. Can you remember what that was over, or was it? Just uh, it would have been something really minor, really minor, and that just bubbled. All it, I mean, everyone has different triggers, right? And there's a reason for these triggers. And for her, there were certain things like if she ever felt like she was being rejected or or lies to, or it didn't matter if that was the intention of the moment or, like, if there were genuinely lies at play. It didn't matter. It was just mm. how she perceived it. And so that was, like, a real trigger, and that would mm. just change everything from that mm. moment. Maybe that was <clears throat> past trauma for her coming back to bite her in the mm-hmm. ass too. Like, mm-hmm. um, Well, I mean, we all have a backstory, and I think there's probably – Part of the reason I was able to handle this for so long is that I have a very strong empathetic streak in me and I do my best to see things from other people's point of view. And I could see that and I saw the, some of the stuff she'd been through and the challenges she's had with her own family. And I, I tried to understand that and explain it and, and I excused it. And we all know now, though, like you can't excuse. You can understand behavior. You can empathize it with it, but you don't have to excuse it. 
Um, and so basically it was just me for years just excusing behavior that was just really unacceptable to be honest and that um, those explosions also didn't only happen behind closed doors you know they sort of uh, began to bubble over into um, more public explosions and yeah mm, she had very it's quite scary being a witness of that too so I can't imagine how how you felt being on the tail end of that but being just in the same room when she was having these moments was really intense and, and intimidating and scary. Mm. Um, and they, they kind of grew in intensity over the years. Uh, so she didn't deal well with un- instability in terms of an environment and and just life in general if things were – and if <laughs> – I mean, no surprise, right? She tried to control every environment that she was in and 100% can get it looking from the outside in Mm. that when things start to spiral, then she would, as a response to that, also spiral out Mm. of control. Uh, And so she would do everything in her power. And and you could see it when when things were getting a little bit too stressful. Like if there was – so, okay, just really as a small example, if we were, say, in a car and – there were lots of different sensory things going on mm, at stimulus. once. So yeah. like maybe music was too loud or busy traffic or someone's talking um, or we're having a disagreement. If you add all of those things or even just a few of them, she would like lose it and she just couldn't cope. Mm-hmm. It was like mm-hmm. shut down everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and actually for years I was actually unable to cope with a conversation and music in the car at the same time because it would bring back those memories of like, oh, shit. There's too much going on. I need to be pre-prepared for someone flipping out. <laughs> Especially if you're driving, <laughs> to be aware of it. What mm, could potentially so, ensue? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, so there were many times where, especially in the car, it was quite of a uh, an uncomfortable space because there's so many things that can go go on in, in a yeah. car journey, right? Yeah. Uh, but so I, I turned into, over time, I don't want to get too much into the nitty gritty of our relationship because otherwise we'll just be here forever. But <laughs> over time, I just kind of, it was just a collection of management responses to behavior and mm. there was no time to feel love and genuine connection because I felt like I was always managing mm. an event, a one long running event mm. where I had and- to be aware of, you know, when you like manage like a literal event, you're trying to prepare for all the risks. Juggle everything, yeah. You're juggling all the risk stuff. Risk management, yeah. It's risk management. I wasn't allowed to manage practical stuff. <laughs> so there's, there was no room for anything else in the relationship because it was like walking on glass all the time. You just mm-hmm. don't know when it's going to break. And <laughs> Yeah, I mean, much, much later at the end of the relationship when I was seeing a therapist at the time, he also spoke with her and, he recognised that her some of her problems at that time. And he was, when he said to me, when we had separate sessions, he said to me, like, you must have felt like you've been walking on eggshells this whole time. And I'm, and I like, I think I almost broke down at that time because that's exactly and the acknowledgement, exactly of, how mm, I had felt. And mm. uh, I just, it became normal for me. Uh, so I, for, like, further down the road, like, I would avoid going out with friends and things because like you said her outbursts and things would at times 
more and and more increasingly happen in front of other people. Uh, mm. It would be something humiliating and degrading for so you. So something about like getting into it with somebody else about something silly or saying something inappropriate or uncomfortable, or it would be bringing me down in front of everybody. Mm. Uh, and I mean, <laughs> if it's humiliating for anybody to be uh, to be cut down to size by somebody else in front of people, but when it's your wife <laughs> mm-hmm. doing yeah. that, that's um, totally emasculating, you know, in, in front of like dressing you down in front of other people and yeah, and, it makes and I talk right as well, so that's yeah. creating that extra. Drama. And I think I have inherited, at least at this time, inherited that love of privacy from from mum and dad and. I didn't want to talk about my dirty laundry in front of anybody. Mm. I mean, most people don't, but I didn't want people to know what was going on. No, no. And probably because maybe you were starting to realise that this wasn't normal too and that other people might see the cracks. Mm. And that that I found quite embarrassing because I was trying to keep, always trying to keep a low profile, just trying to keep status quo in public. Mm. Uh not really seeing an end game to this, but hoping, I guess, hoping that it would kind of iron itself out at some point. And it must uh, have been quite scary when you say, for instance, had an event to go to or even lunch or dinner with friends and you're thinking, well, shit, what's going to happen this time? Like, I've got to be really, really careful. Well, like, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Scary and that, that, that got worse over the years. Mm. But I think in, the, in this, these early stages that we're mostly talking about, it wasn't that bad, and I I don't know what changed. Which is crazy because for me looking at it, it was so that just goes to show how mm, bad yeah. it got. Yeah, no, um, I, absolutely, and there are many <laughs> things I have not told you that I will talk about as we go through. But um, we it can, was just we, a lot of a lot of little things early yeah. on. I yeah. mean, we can have a break from talking about your the intensity of your relationship, I can jump in here and talk about, because at the time I just moved to Tauranga. Yeah, this is when our lives merged. So we we had separated yes. in time and space for quite a while, hadn't even really been communicating all that much. And then all of a sudden you're in my house. And even yeah. then we weren't talking that much nah, leading uh, up to that. I guess, and because I, um, when I moved to Tauranga, I had a boyfriend at the time and both of our groups of friends were actually quite often the same. So often we'd be in the same place, hanging out with the same people, but still not really communicating. So it was still, we still kind of had these separate lives, to be honest, even though we were in the same environment, seeing each other a lot. And yeah, so when I moved, I must have moved out of your place not long after being there. I reckon it must have been like three months. I don't think I lasted too long there. And I moved into a flat with your partner's best friend actually and mm-hmm. um it's that also soon broke down because obviously if you're friends with your partner <laughs> you've probably got some sort of similar similarities there and um I just kind of bounced around a couple of flats in those early days it just didn't work with the the clash of personalities that I was with but throughout this time yeah I was dating this guy and he also didn't last too long. Like the day that he threatened to hit me was the day that I said, no, you're not the person for me. And embarrassingly, um, when I can't believe I even 
spoke to mum and dad about it, but they, I don't think I broke it off with them. I think, oh, this is so cringy. When I we, told mum and dad. We did actually talk, we talked about this in the previous episode. Oh, did right? we? Yeah. And they, yeah. they wrote him a letter mm. to break up with him for me. And I didn't know they were going to do it. I mm-hmm. wish they'd told me. And I don't even know really what the letter entailed. I don't think he really told me. He just said that he'd got a letter from him and dad and mm-hmm. he was essentially supposed to stay away from me. So that was super awkward because we also were in the same group of friends, same yeah. church, all that. <laughs> it was really awkward. And I ended up getting together with one of his friends who <laughs> lived at the it, same it was, flat. And it was quite not long after, right? No, and because that I still remember that day, the day that he threatened to hit me, his other flatmates took me out to Rotorua for the day to be like, come on, let's go. We'll go out and do something fun for the day. And I hung out with the guys and, yeah, had a good had a good day and took my mind off it. And I don't know how – like, I already knew this other guy and got on with him. And it just kind of progressed from there, from a friendship into hanging out with each other a lot. It was a bit scandalous at the time uh, yeah, in the was, friendship group. <laughs> it was, yeah. I'm sure we were talked about a lot, but it was it was super awkward because obviously it was the same flat, but his his was like a basement flat and had its own entry, so I'd, I could avoid mm. bumping into my ex. But at the time, like that was <laughs> probably quite cruel to still be coming round to the house and um, seeing him occasionally. But um, so, how long did you guys date? So we were only together like six months. So it was straight mm-hmm. after. So, I sorry, the the, the next one. Oh. So the one um, you eventually married. Yeah, so the first one I was with for six months. And then when I moved to Tauranga, it must have been not long after that that I was with this um, next guy. And then we were dating for, I think, two years. So, yeah, this relationship, very similar story in terms of it was already controversial in, in mum and dad's eyes that I had found someone else. So I was mm-hmm. on to my second boyfriend. and. I, I mean, I was always the one that was rebellious and controversial in our family, the black sheep. <laughs> um, so no surprises there, I guess. But I really connected with this guy and we had lots of things in common, or I thought thought we did, because um, I was still young at the time. And I guess I was still, I didn't really know anyone that well in that city. And I was, it probably wasn't, it was like I was shaping my personality to fit into his world to try and fit in uh so I say that we had lots of things in common but actually since not being with him I've done none of those things that we you're actually you're actually very different yeah very different even now I I know that yeah anyway so that relationship lasted (laughs) for quite some years but we were I think dating for two years um before we got married but again once once we got engaged, it was there was a conversation from mum to myself about, you know, you need to get married quite quickly. And she would never say the words, like, so that you aren't tempted, you know. <laughs> um, but, but we, I mean, you, got, you guys had already slept together yeah, before anyway. Yeah, and, I mean, she'll never know that because <laughs> um, that would greatly damage her. Thoughts you're, of damned. Me, you're damned yeah well yeah I probably was long before that anyway <laughs> but, 
and even before him as well. So, yeah, I, I was definitely the rebellious one and I was going to do what I was going to do. And So did you, did you when you were dating him, had you already talked about getting married? Like, was that a, a plan? I think it was just kind of expected. Like, we were boyfriend and girlfriend and that was just the direction all boyfriends and girlfriends headed right. You were heading towards marriage. And, um, yeah, so I think it was about two years that we dated and I was – we originally were going to get married before my 19th birthday. No, before my 20th, sorry. And his mum's, I think, had some reservations about that. So she's like, do you think you could wait just a little bit longer? Mm-hmm. And so we ended up getting married like two months after I turned 20. So I was very young. Because he's a bit, he was like he's quite five a few years. years yeah, yeah, five years older than than me. So he was probably a lot more ready than I was. And yeah, so we we got married in February 2007. Gosh, that seems like a lifetime mm. ago. <laughs> and our story is quite different in the sense that he was very laid back, but almost annoyingly so. Like he didn't, he had sort of a, a wallflower personality, didn't do anything or have any motivation or... Mm. Um, just quite frustratingly so and even in terms of our relationship there was no like passion or excitement or anything like that it was just we were mates and Mm. but it's funny like like from me from the outside observing your relationship I think from that point on I probably I wouldn't recognize it as it was back you know at that time but I think I was a bit jealous of the fact that you had to a, rel- a relatively easy relationship. Uh, it may not have been exciting to you, but it, like at least yeah. it was comfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, so. and stable. And and you know he had a good a good job, and he was probably a lot more stable in that sense than someone you would probably hope as a young person to marry. You know, like someone who's got their shit mm. together. But he came from quite a dysfunctional family too. But he. He came out of it okay, I think. But he was very attached to his mum, very, very attached. Uh, so we, we saw her a lot, and she was quite opinionated too. Like, she liked me and we got on, but I think if anything was to go wrong, he would go running to her and she would stand up for him, even if he was in the wrong. You know, that kind of relationship was, mm. yeah, which was quite um irritating at times having a, a mother-in-law like that, but, you know, <laughs> you, you, can't live, you live and learn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so we, what, what was your, um, like, relationship with, like, as a family, as as in you and I, mum and dad, what was your impression of our family unit at that time? Um, I feel like we all had quite separate lives and we didn't really, mm. like, mum and dad used to come down to Tauranga to see us. I feel like even then we were sort of quite far removed from, you know, because we'd been living out of home a few years and we had our own things going on. So it was kind of like we were quite disjointed. Mm. Yeah, I don't think we had and they much weren't to do relatable. with each other. No. Like even you and I didn't see each other often, even though we're in the same town. Mm. I don't remember seeing mum and dad much at all during that time. Uh, yeah, they they probably came down less. I think probably in that first year or two, 
like your first year of uni, they probably came down quite a bit to see and support you through that tough year. Mm. Um, but then I but, guess once yeah. we were both married, they didn't really. Mm. Which I, is, is normal. Like it's yeah. normal progression of life, right? Mm. So I, I don't think I expected any less. Uh, yeah. In fact, I think my expectations of them were probably very low. I was quite happy to be <laughs> on yeah. my own. Yeah. Yeah. And I probably felt a bit the same, to be honest. Um, and um, so, so what were yeah. you doing? What were you doing for work, like when you first got married? So when even when I first moved to Tauranga, I was working doing casual work in in daycares because I had trained as a nanny, but I didn't have a, a early childhood qualification. So I was just doing casual work, which was fine. I had a decent job, and things were just going okay. Like they weren't going bad, they weren't going great. And in terms of like the church side of things, after we got married, we kind of started stop going to church as much because we had these things called cell group, which was basically I think we talked about this before in another episode, but young people coming together to discuss subjects or things in the Bible and getting yeah. together and just being Bible surrounded. studies. Yeah. 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 Bible studies, but trying to make it sort of hip and fun. So we were going along to the cell group, which we enjoyed. It was quite a, a large group of people, young people. And there just came a day when the, the leader of the cell group asked us to stop coming because it was getting too busy and they wanted room to invite this other new couple that had arrived in the church and they were like essentially they chose this other couple over us so they chose us and asked us to leave and we were both like what the hell like Mm -hmm. you're asking us to leave and this point in my Christian journey is where it changed because a we were very hurt to be asked to leave this group because we were probably the the uncool um one in that group i do i do remember the couple you're talking about and they were very much the in part of that in crowd and we were quite angry actually to be honest and so we just started not going to church and we didn't go to the recommended cell group that we were told to go to and um because at, at this time we were planning on actually leaving Tauranga to move overseas. So it was a busy time for us anyway. So we just, yeah, kind of stopped going. And I remember mum questioning, even from being so far away and we're adults able to make our own decision, she was asking, like, you need to keep going to church, keep, you know, reading your Bible and telling me what to do. And I'm like, don't tell me what to do. I'm an adult. Like I can make my own life choices. And I found that even put more separation between us. Mm. Yeah. And pretty much that was the last time when we were going to church. But yeah. I don't think you would have like in terms of your life, because I mean, you, but I think both you, you and your partner were kind of on the quote unquote fringe of church life for quite a while. If I remember mm. correctly, I was, cause I was, Oh, really you were heavily involved, involved. Yeah, in and, music and, and in youth ministry. And um, we were just a volunteer there every now and then during the week. And I was very busy. Whereas you just like attended generally just cell group, I think. It was, it was probably more like a social thing for us mm. going 
every Sunday to see people that we knew and go out for lunch afterwards. And yeah, we were, yeah, like you say, probably more on the fringe of, um, of that. So it probably was a lot easier for us to leave the church and, and go unnoticed, to be honest, because we weren't in that cool group. We weren't close to the pastors or the youth leaders like you were. So we could not attend church and it go unnoticed. And, you know, people weren't asking questions. Where were you? Mm. Um, mm. So that probably made it quite a lot easier, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think, like, I've just noticed that we've been chatting for quite a while already. I mean, it's just, like, <laughs> so much stuff to talk about. Like, mm. we just keep going on and on. It's probably the best time to kind of uh, bring it to a close after talking about the, the early marriage years and maybe next time we'll touch on more the kind of mid-20s like for me it was more more talking about church stuff and then you when you first went overseas and it's a lot of interesting things that kind of happen in those mid-20s to share but hopefully we'll get a little bit a little bit away from the relationship stuff because I don't want to like spotlight mm. it too much on my part um, obviously quite intense but also don't want to make it too much about me but yeah, still heaps more stuff to come. Any sign-off thoughts, Briar? No. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Sometimes you forget that people are listening to this. It's sort of like we're just chatting about <laughs> the old days. It feels so far removed from where we are now. Like this is what, like 15 years ago. It mm. feels like I'm not even talking about myself. So I have to mm. really think about what happened back then so yeah and I guess like people for people who are listening I won't realize that we've like been talking for like three and a half hours <laughs> <laughs> both on and offline so it's like <laughs> holy shit <laughs> so yeah it is it does it does become it's a lot it's a lot and there's so much more that doesn't make it to a podcast episode mm. um really for your benefit because <laughs> some <laughs> things are just not worth talking about with everybody but um, yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for for listening and um, stay tuned for more uh, adventures from the 20s. And um, we will see you again soon. Chat soon. Ka kite.